Hey, I'm Will, and this is Benj. We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big. And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive? If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. Benjamin Gould. William Small. How, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, how's your vibe, your energy level on life right now? On life right now. <clears throat> what can you define? That was a pretty loose question, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need, I need uh, strong definitions of the scale. Is one dead? What I want to tell people right now, <laughs> what I want to tell people is that you hear these episodes one after another, like a week apart. We record a bunch of stuff in a row. Just in case you didn't know, there's a little secret of the that, trade. Wow. And you've, you've really pulled the, the it, mask back. And the longer we go on, the more we suck <laughs> at talking. I think I think there's definitely a point. I, I think it gets better and it's it's definitely a bell curve. Oh yeah. 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 There's, there's, Which that actually is relevant to this episode. That's why I said it. Yeah, okay, I see. <laughs> We had a chat about the bell curve, the life cycle, the health of churches. And we did that with someone who's a bit of an expert on this subject matter. Do you want to tell them about our guest? Well, uh, his name is Ian Altman. We like to call him the Altman because he comes in, uh, he works for the Baptist Association in New South Wales and ACT and works a lot with church health. And so his role is, um, or part of his role is to go into churches that are dying and to help them die or, or be reborn, which is a pretty, pretty difficult job. Mm. Um, but he's got a lot of wisdom from doing that. So we have a great conversation around the autopsy of a dying church, what marks an un- unhealthy church, how we can become healthier as, as churches and pastors and leaders in that space. I would say this conversation just contains a lot of your like bedrock wisdom. You know, it's just the basic stuff. This episode is like all of the stuff to make sure you've got solid in the foundation first. Yep. So here is our conversation with the alt man. This episode is brought to you by Morling College. As well as their great theological study options, Morling run free courses, open nights and public events on topics like transforming vocation, faith in action, bioethics and more. And if you're a church planter, they even run a church planting course called Scent. They have a range of scholarships, campuses in Perth and Sydney as well as online study options. You can find out more at morling.edu.au. Well, Ian Altman, thank you very much for joining us for a conversation about church and church health and uh, unhealth at times. Mm. Um, what's what's your role in the Baptist Association? Good question. Um, my role is a team leader for the Gem 1K Church Health Team, and that continues to expand, um, which is really, really exciting. Um, and I look after... Our consultancy training, where we're trying to equip people in church health process and 
and tools and, and how to kind of recognise problems before they, you know, event get worse mm-hmm. again. Uh, and I look after our regional ministers, so they're part of the church health team in a network around the state. Very good. Now, bigger picture than that, just share maybe a little bit about what life looks like being Ian, just across, you know, all spaces of your life. Being Ian. Uh, well, Ian, myself, uh, married to Carolyn, who has just recently been appointed the prayer coordinator for the Baptist Churches of New South Wales and the ACT. So she's on back on team here, so that's good. So we're uh, in ministry together. Uh, we're empty nesters. Our two kids, Melina and Bryce, are empty, uh, moved out. My daughter got married, so we quickly moved into an apartment so they couldn't move back. <laughs> so we, we love that. So we uh, we moved into a new community at Wentworth Point, uh, which is near Rhodes, and we seek to try to live on and in mission uh, every day and try to live generously and engage with people. And Yeah, so we're on a health kick at the moment. I've actually lost six kilo. You can't tell this. Wonderful. The, but we're... Um, it, sound, comes, it comes through the voice. Yeah, you sound lighter. Yeah, yeah thanks, mate. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so we're out riding our bikes and walking in the community and um, yeah, trying to live a, a healthy life in it, in it, with a generous posture on mission. Mm. Beautiful. It's nice. I love it. And photography, that's the other thing I do to kind of... Yes, I've seen, I've seen some photos mm. floating around. You are an avid photographer. Yeah. The more stressful I am, probably the more photography I do because I, I can go out and just... Um, yeah, look at God's creation and try to capture that in a way that's meaningful and awesome. evokes emotion. And um, and then as I'm doing that out in the community, you get to have still, you know, you get to talk to people and tell, yeah. tell the story and, mm. and why I'm doing this. And, mm, it's awesome. Good. Our uh, we have a vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. Correct. And um, there's there's a big difference between a thousand churches and a thousand healthy churches. Why is the word healthy in there and, and what difference does that make to the, to the vision, vision overall? Vision. Well, if our churches aren't healthy, we're never going to achieve this vision. Um, and it, it's a healthy church. We know a healthy church produces a health, if we think of churches as, a, as an organism, uh, one of the definitions of something that's alive is that it actually reproduces. And so ultimately a healthy church reproduces itself or is engaged in some way in the reproduction of itself with the sending out of, of mission uh, and disciples uh, and leaders uh, into the world. Uh, and we know that more people come to faith through the local church than through through anything else. So we need healthy healthy churches if we're actually going to achieve this vision. So healthy churches that are vibrant, committed to mission, committed to discipleship and um, yeah, are places where people want to be. I don't know if you've ever been in an unhealthy church, but it's not a very nice place at times. Mm. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. I think it's just like I just noticed that the word healthy is the word that's kind of easy to look over in that sentence. A thousand is like, whoa, exciting, growth, big numbers. Healthy is the kind of like thing that maybe we just read past because it's a bit more like boring, slow, um, hard work, Mm -hmm. but it's obviously so important it's there. But you know, we often recognise um, health by unhealth. You know, in our bodies we know we kind of take our health for granted until sickness comes along. But what does an unhealthy church look like? Um, could you kind of walk us through some examples and just kind of talk through what does that actually mean in the context of a church? Uh, yeah, well, actually I've got a list 
of um, 11 things of the marks of an unhealthy or a dying church that is really it's very inward looking it's not engaged with its community actually no longer looks like the community in which it's a part of I think it, it's more stuck in the past than looking for, you know, for the future. And there's been a continual uh, decline uh, in, you know, in the church. Uh, we know our research tells us, we've got plenty of data that tells us that a church will go from life to, to death and we have a good document which I'll give a link to, our revitalisation document, church revitalisation, um, and it looks at the, the church life cycle. We know a church from when it's planted and if nothing changes, its general uh, process is that it will reach end of life in about 50 years. It will mm. follow a bell curve unless something significant changes along the way. And churches that are thriving and growing have made significant um, you know, decisions or changes at, at strategic points. But a church will go from life to death in about 50 years and, they, and then they can linger in this at the bottom of the bell curve for another 40 or 50 years. Mm. And uh, it's not uncommon. In fact, you know, quite regularly, I you know sit with the church leadership. Sometimes the whole church, and it's just six or eight people who are good and godly people, but no longer have the resources, have long since you know uh, lost the ability to to bring about the change that's needed. And we can see, graph them, and know that they're fifty years old, or sixty years old, or eighty years old, and they've been in this place for the last twenty or thirty years. Yeah. And that sort of makes me think, like, church, it's obviously healthy for a church to have a life cycle. Mm. And so it's, I mean, there's very few churches, at least in Australia, that are over 100 years old. Um, so it is, in some ways, a healthy thing. All, all, all living things do, at one point, die. Um, how should we think about that as a movement and when it comes to reproducing churches um, and sort of honouring honoring that life cycle not wishing a church to be something that it's not. How, how do you think about that? Uh, yeah, well, I have those conversations with church leaders and churches all the time and ask them what do they want to think about. And I talk to them often about, about legacy and I tell them lots of stories. I, you know, I can tell often I'll list a whole six or eight churches who no longer exist. And I say on this, you know, this list of churches, we, we don't tell their story anymore because, no, they, they don't exist. they got you know, um, amalgamated into another church or, we, you know, the building has long since sold and no one tells their story. They just ran out of energy or they just died and disappeared. And then another list of churches, you know, talk about, uh, we talk about Eastwood uh, right now or Macquarie Fields or, um, or, or, or Mossman or churches like that who it went through a process, somewhat difficult at times, but now have new life and are vibrant because a group of good and faithful people made a decision for the future to leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. And we speak about the next chapter. And you know, I talk to them about what do you want people to say about you in 50 years because you control that. This is your decision. And that, that tends to get a bit of, a bit of traction uh, in some places. So, yeah. Um, so, we, yeah, ask them to think about that, about their legacy and the future. And what would they do? What would you do if... Um, if it meant that your grandchildren would go to a church. It might not be your grandchildren here, but it, it will be someone's grandchildren. So will you make that decision? Mm. I'd be interested in um, well, a couple things. One is the kind of the life cycle thing. 
So my first question is, are there churches that are young and unhealthy or is it just like, hey, you've hit that 50-year mark, that's when it <laughs> turns? And um, my second question would be around, I guess there are symptoms of unhealth, mm. you know, and those symptoms might be it's it's shrinking and it's, um, it's a bit attached to the past and things like that. But what are some of the causes? So you might want to answer both those together or apart, but yeah, just going into other forms of unhealth maybe other than just it's aging? Uh, look, I think right at the very core of, of unhealth or, or health in churches is actually our relationships and unity. I think that's Jesus majored very strongly on, on unity. It's one of the last things he prayed for when, when he went to the cross in John 17 that, that we, that all those who come after you, after my disciples, that they might be one in Christ as I and the Father of one in John 17. So unity is a strong key. So when that starts to wane, um, you know, I think a church is in, is in trouble. Mm. I, think, I think we're fighting continually, at least in the West, um, about consumerism. The churches, when, when uh, one of the things I've got here on this list is, you know, when budgets, when a high majority of the budget, 90% or more, is focused on keeping the people within the church happy mm. rather than on mission and engaging the community. Um, you're in trouble. You're in a, a maintenance mode. So I'd be looking for, for maintenance when we're trying to maintain things, when we're struggling to put people on, on rosters or, or fill ministry positions or when there's no changeover of, of leadership. One of the things we do in churches who are not, not anywhere near their end of their life cycle, um, but they're maybe on the other side of the bell curve and you know, get everyone to stand up and how long you've been at, you know, step forward if you're a leader. And, you know, I've done that so many times and often and I'll reflect back and I say, well, what I've heard today or what I've seen is that so you need to be attending this church for at least 35 years and you need to be, you know, 60 or older before you can be in leadership in this place because mm-hmm. uh, that's what they've had for many years. So when, there's, when, when our leaders are not being raised up and released, uh, I'd even say that when a when a pastor is doing all the preaching, uh, and they're not giving other people a shot, or they're not releasing other people into ministry, you know, there's there, there are just some of the signs that change needs to occur here. Mm. Sounds like broadly speaking, there's like either a narrowing in or a, or an opening up in some ways, because either a, a small circle of people, very controlled finances, preaching, things like that, that sounds like a shrinking, um, mm. whereas maybe that health is around a, an opening up and an expanding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and becoming a, kind of a fortress and a protecting of what we have. Um, yeah, and no, no change occurring for a long time. Ministries that have long since passed their use-by date. Mm. So um, there, there's a difference between... Um, having a, a terminal illness and having, you know, a common cold. Um, and I assume is in, in terms of every church and, and their sort of normal rhythm in life, there's things that come up that cause unhealth, cause disunity, cause us to narrow in. How do we discern between whether those things are just, uh, you know, things to sort of move through as church leadership or as people leading churches or whether those things are, symptoms of you know something deeper that we are terminally ill as a as a church um yeah good question look i look there's i don't there's not a line where where 
where you're healthy or unhealthy, and health is not something we ever arrive at. I, mm. I think in terms of a, of a continuum, and the question, are we moving more towards health or actually are we moving away from health or are we becoming unhealthy? And there's many ways we can be unhealthy. Just, you know, we can get, are we putting on weight or we're not engaged or we're mm. not eating the right things? Actually, one of the things I do, if I had a whiteboard or if you can imagine a whiteboard, I'd draw a hexagon, that's something with six sides and, and, and run through kind of the, the anatomy of a healthy church from a health system and talk about, well, what are, what's, what's the input here? You know, in a healthy system, I think about my life, we're on this health kick, so I'm thinking about what I'm eating. I've got a calorie, uh, you know, controlled diet that my wife keeps me accountable to uh, in the midst of every day. Uh, so I've got input, I've got output, so I've got to be exercising, I've got to take good rest. Mm. And when I draw these things and sit with a bunch of leaders, it takes about 15 minutes. Rest often takes up mm. the most time. I find that churches are just so busy trying to... Um, now fulfill all the functions of being the church and running all the ministries and programs that people are just worn out and exhausted. So that takes up a lot of energy. Uh, we talk about immunity. Actually, it's about immunity. Yeah, what keeps us from getting sick? It's a, it's a resilience in our immunity within our system. So in a, in a church, I think that's understanding who we are, understanding what our values are particularly, and that helps us determine what we do and, not, and the things we don't do in, in many ways. Um, and so when a church is just trying everything or allowing anyone to come in and do whatever they like without any clear strategy or purpose or consistent with who they are, then you're going to get all sorts of problems. Um, a good DNA is, is a, you know, another thing in a system. So what's the DNA of this church? And a purpose mm-hmm. and an organism's purpose is to reproduce. So how is a church you know, reproducing itself? Is it creating disciples? So I, I think it's a continuum. But it actually comes down to relationships. Are we working hard at building relationships? And as I walk, uh, work with churches, there's a, a lack of identity, actually. There's nothing governing what we're doing. It's just that we get to the point and if someone starts something or something happens, we actually don't like that or that's, they don't understand why they don't like it or why one group is against another group. And it creates conflict because they have a lack of understanding and so they are moving away from health. Uh, I did that, you know, that kind of stuff with one church early on, so it's a few years ago now, and sitting in a room, church, again, it's the third pastor that had left, unhealthy, in an unhealthy way, um, what's going on here, and trying to understand their story, and this bit about DNA, who are we? And I, I asked the question, how did you begin? What, what birthed this church? Mm. And there was two families there who were, this is a church, it was 40 years old, so it had dramatically declined. Uh, and I still remember writing up on the, on the whiteboard with this group of people, these two foundation couples. Oh, we, we know why this church started. We were here. We and one other couple decided that we wanted a church for ourselves. We didn't want to go up to the big church up the road. We wanted a church for ourselves, so we started this church. And I wrote that up, a church for ourselves, and a penny dropped. And this has been a prevailing thought that had... Um, you know, guided everything, this underlying value, uh, unhealthy value in the church's identity. And so every conflict they've had with a pastor, they got to the point when the pastor wanted to lead them to a church, perhaps existing for the community, they fought back because we were a church for ourselves. And uh, God showed up that day and everyone started crying and repenting and, 
and talking about actually we haven't seen anyone come to faith in 10 years or more. I've been here 10 years, this lady said, I've not seen anyone come to faith uh, and I'm sorry for that. Um, then they called a new pastor who turned out to be his prevailing gift to be an evangelist. So, I mean, that was a long journey and some sadness and unpacking, um, but they had to let go of that prevailing thought. So sometimes there's things within the system that guide us or govern us or dictate behaviour that we're not even aware of, like this unhealthy value of we exist for ourselves. Mm. So what I'm hearing, you know, I think it's really helpful to think about health as a spectrum mm. and not as a, uh, like I like how you said, healthy is not something you arrive at. It's just a direction that we're moving in. If, if there's this spectrum of health and unhealth, then there's obviously probably a spectrum of treatments that we can apply. If we're mostly healthy, we might need to tweak our diet a little bit, do a little bit more exercise. If we're very unhealthy, we might need to kind of do a bit of an overhaul. Um, what are some of the different kind of treatment options for churches wanting to become more healthy at different places along that spectrum? Uh, yeah, one of the places we encourage churches to start is to you know, grab our revitalization booklet and our tools, and it has a kind of simple tool for leaders to look at to actually to examine you know, where they're at in reality. I have a little acronym that's for me when I have to make a report to either Assembly Council or reflect back to a church. Um, I'm looking through the lens, not just through the lens of, of kind of you know, external experiences, um, although I think you know, they're important. So I use the acronym ERIC in a sense, to assess what's going on in this church. So what are the external indicators? Eyes for internal, uh, R is for reality, which is this. Where, where is a church really on its, on its life, on its um, life cycle? And we would say that, you know, understanding the reality where we are dictates the response we need to take. So, so the right tool for the right, you know, situation or the right surgery or medical response. We talk about... Um, you know, if I've got a cut on my finger, I don't need it to be amputated. But if I've got gangrene up and down my arm, you know, a Band-Aid's not going to cut it. So, you know, the right response. And the longer we, we move along the bell curve and the longer we've stayed, you know, at the wrong end of it, the more drastic the response. So, and it's about sitting down with a congregational group of people and, and working through what's the right response. So, so reality and capacity is the C. Actually... Does this church have the capacity, you know, to change within it? So that, that's one tool. So where, where are they on their lifespan? And so are they are they growing? Are they thriving? Are we plateauing out? Are we do we need restructure? Are we on the down curve, or are we in a place of of rebirth? Mm, that's good. Makes me think about a quote from Dr. Henry Cloud: "Reality is always your friend." Correct. You yeah. got to see what the actual situation is, because I guess that's part of the problem. Is some churches might have a very different idea in their mind about where they sit on that spectrum. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it can be confronting. Mm. Um, so I, I did this, I, I travelled six hours to a place to sit with a group. Uh, I did my reality check on a whiteboard and within 15 minutes they asked me to leave. <laughs> and it's a small group. They said, we want, you know, I, where are you? I, you know. You've declined. How old are you? I was 75 years old. Um, what's your biggest problem? Oh, we don't have enough money and we don't have a pastor. Okay, we'll write those up. And I said, I, I think I know where you are on this lifespan. You're here and the way forward for you is to rebirth. Um, so we'd like to talk to you about that. Mm. And um, this lady 
got up from her table and it was a you know table, only enough people fit around the table. They made a pot of tea. They'd got my favourite biscuits, which are shortbread creams. <laughs> and this lady got up off the table and took the biscuits <laughs> and the pot of tea and walked past me and said, I could leave now. We thought you were coming here to give us a pasta and money. And I said, no. Wow. Um, I want to talk to you about rebirth. I said, you're talking about closure and you're not welcome. So I, so I left. And then two years later they rang and said, Ian, we think you were right, but mm. I suppose you won't talk to us. And I said, yes, we, we'll talk to you. And we went as back. As, as long as the biscuits are coming back out. Well, I did go back. I've actually I got given a, a packet of biscuits with <laughs> uh, a group of leaders out there. So I actually have that empty packet, uh, which I'm going to frame and stick on my wall. So, uh, And that church actually moved into, became a congregation of another church, you know, not far away. Um, so all the compliance and, and then they've sent people back and, you know, released leaders and, and again, the, those people who asked me to leave, you know, I can't believe the place mm. in that it, there's life and there's opportunity. Well, one of the things that struck me, when you were talking about the hexagon and you've, you said you, you get stuck at rest, you have to talk about that. Why, why do you think that is? Uh, churches, I think, have this idea that it's about being busy. We're not, we're not being the church if we're not busy, if we're not running uh, the programs each and every week. Yeah, it's, it's just about busyness. Everyone's exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that is a – what's the symptom of that? Is it, is it an identity thing around like knowing who we are and what we, what we do and don't do or is it, is it something else? Is it an ego thing or uh, – I'm not sure it's an ego thing but I think it has to do with a – an underlying fear that if I don't do enough for, yeah. for Jesus, he's, you know, I might upset him. I've got to work really, really hard. And, you know, that's not the picture I get at all. And Jesus mm. encourages us to come and sit. It's, it's not the model Jesus gave. He went off often to, to pray and to rest on his own. He had a very good rhythm that's worth following. Mm. And churches are trying to do everything to connect to everybody. Mm. Uh, I think we're doing way too much. We need to do, do a lot less and do those few things a lot better and not wear people out. Mm. Yeah, that's good. My mum told me a story a couple of years ago. I'm one of six kids. You know, she would get to the end of the day and just be so exhausted and felt like she had basically no space for anything. And uh, she was speaking to a counsellor about it and the counsellor said, what do you think God says at the end of the day? And basically my mum said, said, I feel like I haven't done enough. I feel like, mm. you know, God's, God's message for me is you haven't done enough. And uh, the counsellor said, well, think about someone who really loves you. And my mum said, well, my granddad comes to mind. And she said, what, what would he say at the end of the day? And my mum said, well, he would say, sit down. You've done enough. You're okay. You're loved. And then the counsellor basically was like, well, why, why isn't God saying that? Why don't you use that as your kind of reference point to redefine how God thinks of you? And I always found that really helpful because that is such a danger that sort of we fall into that. I need to keep doing so that I can be loved or so that I can be good enough or so that our church can be what it's supposed to be or whatever. And just to think, you know, actually maybe God is saying to you, um, it's okay to sit down for a while. It's okay to get some rest. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's fear of upsetting, you know, people. Mm. I think consumerism is one of the biggest killers of our church in the West and that mm. people... Uh, you know, leaders and pastors, I mean, for pastors, it's a tough gig. It's tough being a pastor. 
a leader in our church today because you've got so many people you've got to please in a sense. Um, I always began ministry by saying, you know, it's an audience of one. I'm only here to please one person and it's not any of you. Mm. Um, mm. And yet people, yeah, are, are fearful. You know, well, if I don't please, you know, the people, if I don't please the parents by running a youth group, they might take their kids and leave. So I think there is this consumer mentality. Mm. I think we need to push back on. Mm. Um, um, a thousand healthy churches in a generation is going to involve a lot of new churches. A big part of this vision is obviously the planting of new churches. Um, for church planters who are thinking about, you know, starting something, how can, how can they establish health from the beginning? You know, some of the things you talked about, like unity is a big part of health. Have you got any advice for people about how they like embed that from day one? Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to start, uh, yeah, focusing and, and building in a regular pattern of review and checking in and make sure we're all okay. Um, having a good understanding, a very clear understanding of of who we are and what we're doing. We, you know, not every church is the same, and they shouldn't be the same. Um, so what are our priorities and our, our values and our, and our vision? What kind of church are we going to be and make sure we all stick to that, you know, continually? Yeah, and self-understanding. I think the biggest thing church planners can do, uh, I just read a quote this week in one of my, you know, reflections that actually we, we recreate who we are. We reproduce who we are. And um, if we're not happy with the results, we need to have a look in the mirror. And if, so if you really want to make a change, the, the change needs to start with ourselves. So... Yeah, making sure that they're really healthy. And I think one of the contributing factors to a lot of the situation I'm, I often find myself working in, and I do work in some really good places as well, so it's not just all doom and gloom stuff, but I really got to ask myself, you know, where is, where is the Christ-likeness here? There seems to be a very shallow understanding of who people are, you know, in Christ. And I find that the deeper a person has, you know, the more mature they are in Christ, the deeper their roots go, the less conflict they have and they're, they're a pleasure to be around. They're the people you actually want to be with. And those who you know, have a very shallow view or, I don't know, a warped view, a dysfunctional view, they're often angry or controlling or they want power and they're not nice to be around. I think I would be encouraging leaders to really work at their, who they are in Christ, and which has been part of my journey. It's a whole other story about you growing up, being adopted, struggling with the identity and yet to find it in the person of Jesus has been life-changing. And the reason I think I'm in ministry because I, I don't want to be anywhere else or serve anyone else. I get a sense of identity with someone who loves me for who I am. Even when I don't really understand myself, you know, Jesus does. And that's, that's worth holding on to in gold. Mm. Oh, it's really good. I, it's, a, it's a great reminder for me and I think it's something um, I've definitely been working on uh, that the fact that you know who you are is more important than what you do, and mm. and the very fact of of me becoming more like Jesus when I walk into a room, when I walk into that sermon or that meeting or catch up with someone for coffee, it's more about who I am than what I do in that place because who you are informs what you do, and um, it is very confronting when you we we planted a church it's almost two years old and you look around and you you say this looks very much like. Like me, my strengths and also, you know, it amplifies your, your weakness as well. And so yeah, absolutely. it is a confronting thing, but a, a, a good reminder that um, 
probably one of the best things we can do as pastors and leaders or anyone starting something new is is deepen who we are in Jesus. So yeah. thank you yeah. for that. Yeah, and, and we can't, in the end, offer ourselves to anyone else unless we fully understand who we are. And I think, and that's what relationship's about, continually offering ourselves to one another. So, yeah, focus on unity and, and grow and have fun. I think you should have church should be fun. Yeah. I think we really understand many of Jesus' stories. Yeah, he told some really great ones that were quite humorous at one point and then the penny drops and actually they're quite confronting when we understand them. So, yeah, focus on relationships, have fun. And um, it's about seeing people come to faith in Jesus. Mm. Awesome. All right. Well, Ian, we're going to ask you some rapid-fire questions now to round this baby out. So these are just a one-word or one-sentence answers. All right. Question one, what do you think is the biggest danger to the future of the church? Uh, consumerism. What's giving you hope about the future of the church in Australia? Well, I really think COVID has given us an enormous opportunity to rethink and pivot and, and be the be something new. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our ecclesiology, that's part of my whole master's degree, we actually we can make changes mm. and we can pivot really, really well. That's great. Um, are you listening to or reading or watching anything right now that is influencing you? Uh, yeah, I'm reading. Um, it's probably not riveting for everyone else, but our books by Peter Steinke. I wrote them down. There's, so there's three I'd recommend. Uh, Peter Steinke is um, and building on understanding church as a, as a system, as an emotional system, and I think that's a, an important lens to look through. So any of his books, Congregational Leadership in Anxious Times, that was really helpful. Healthy con congregations, a systems approach or how your church family works. So I think I'd encourage leaders to understand their, you know, their team, their church as a system. And a healthy system says, you know, what I do matters and, and so I've got to work. If I want to see change, it's got to start with me. An mm. mm. Unhe unhealthy system says, well, something's got to change and, and you're the problem. So it looks for a victim mm. or, a, or a villain to well, turf out. That's good. That's worth the price of admission right there. Um, what is, if you could just give away one book, you had an infinite supply, what would that book be? Uh, look, I, I give away and I do give away Fruitful Church by Andrew Turner. I don't know if others have mentioned it. No, uh, not yet. Andrew Turner is, um, you know, my, well, a, a good friend, works in South Australia. He's written this little book on Fruitful Church and um, one of the... Um, images he gives in that book is he asks a very, I think, important question. Are we building churches that impact everybody but Jesus? Mm. Uh, it's, uh, it's little, it's worth, I give it that to leaderships to read. I've got a copy here. This is the first time a person has brought to the rapid fire interview <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, well, their recommended book. So Love I've been that. listening to the podcast. And if you come and take me out for a coffee, you, I'll give you a free book. Well, it sounds like a good, good deal. How good. Yeah, and I use Jamie's cost centre to buy them, so in the end they don't cost me anything. <laughs> um, okay, what would be your two or three practical sentences um, to someone who's about to start something new, wanting to push into a new Michelin endeavour, church plant, new ministry, business? What would you leave them with? Um, be, be clear about who you are in Christ. Maintain your most important relationships, so that's your your family, you know, your partner. Remember that kids spell love, T-I-M-E. You've got to show up, so don't sacrifice your family. Uh, you're not the saviour. I've been doing inductions and I just 
did this accidentally. One of my uh, boys from Boys Brigade is now in pastoral and I, ministry and I did his induction and I was also excited. I got a bit concerned. I said, you know, he's not the saviour. He's not coming here to save you. There's only one saviour and it's, you know, it's not him. Um, Jesus is the saviour, so we all need to look look to him. So, yeah, understand who you are in Christ and don't try to fix everything yourself and maintain unity and get help. It's never too early to ask for help mm. and, um, yeah, and just maintain that learning posture and connect with and you know, find good and, um, and wise, you know, older people who, who have a deep faith in Jesus and learn from them as well. Well, that's a very good advice there. Thank you so much, Ian, for your time and, uh, yeah, for all you do to um, help churches within our whole movement um, move towards greater health. Yeah. And can I give a plug? People can come and join. If you're in, if you finish college and you want the next thing, you can join our consultancy training. It's a two-year rhythm where we teach all the tools and give resources and build a cohort of people and um, how to deal with issues and build cultures of peace and handle conflict and all the good and fun stuff that comes awesome. with leadership. Sounds great. Get amongst it. Well, thank you, Ian. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Pleasure. Thank you for all your, the work you do. Thank you. And uh, we appreciate you. Thanks. Well, what a great conversation with Ian. Uh, I tell you what, off the mic, he's got a lot of great stories about dying churches. Yeah, if you want to hear the blacklist stories, then you can... Um, Go for a coffee. Get a free fruitful church book. And ask it's him. A, it's a good deal. Ask him about the I behind think people the scenes. Should, people should take this up. That is good. Yeah. You probably have to shout in the coffee. He's gonna give you a free book and a look at the blacklist. I would think I would think that's the respectable thing to do. Yeah. Benj, was there anything from that conversation that's gonna stay with you? Yeah, I um I love the thought that church uh, health is not a yes or no. It's a it's a spectrum and that we're either either moving towards health or moving towards unhealth. And a lot of that actually is bedded down in relationship and unity. Mm. And so that's, that's really helpful for me. Very good. My takeaway, I actually liked um, when he was talking about going to a church and asking how long have you been here and when did you start, you know, serving or leading and kind of, you know, you had to have been at this church for 35 years. And, uh, just, just the question of how long does it take from when somebody kind of enters community to being able to meaningfully participate? I think that's a really good indicator. Like how hard is it in your church context or my church context or yours, the listener, for somebody to enter and, and then become involved in a way that activates, you know, their kind of service and leadership and using that as a little one, one metric for what health can look like. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, I hope that today has helped you become a little healthier and uh, we would love for you to continue to have the conversation with us in our Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram at Forming Church and uh, check us a little review if, if you're feeling generous. Mm. Even if you're not feeling generous. I don't care about how you're feeling. <laughs> Sorry to say. Sorry, I just came yeah, out of the gate a, there. It's about what you do, not who you are. <laughs> I think that's what we got away from that, that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but if you're a healthy person, the healthy thing to do would be to leave a review. Mm. This is free content, people. I mean, we live in the age of free content. We're all spoiled, but you don't know how good you got it. All these free podcasts at your fingertips. Just give us a review. Thanks. We love you. Catch you next time.
See you. <laughs> hey, it's Jamie. Join me and some friends next week for a roundtable discussion where we unpack the ideas from this episode and what they look like in different contexts.